0: Okay, um, if you want to follow, um, <clears throat> I'm speaking on the parable of the sower this morning from Matthew's version. So from Matthew 13, and we're going to um, be in verse 1 to 9, just to start with. Pete, would you just put up the first um, slide for me? No, I, I'll leave it up there whilst I do the reading. Great, okay. thank you, Pete. You the,
1: the first slide, yeah. Yeah, the, the one of the cove. That's okay sorry. It's not a performance Well it is.. Oh, no right,
0: right the cove of the sower now this um, which is actually on the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's traditionally um, known for, for many, many um, hundreds of years as the place where Jesus stood uh, when he actually spoke uh, the parable of the sower. And if you see this part here, this is a natural uh, sort of amphitheater. Uh, and they did some uh, tests um, several years back where a chap stood down on the beach. and You can't quite see the beach there. Uh, and some other people actually stood right up here. And because of the amazing uh, properties, how the sound travels, without any acoustics, they could actually hear this man read the parable of the sower. Um, and interesting also, um, I found when I was researching on some of these things, that so many of Jesus' sermons uh, he did by the side of the sea. Uh, and if you've ever been into boating, and if you've ever been into a boat, um, sometimes perhaps at night if he's been moored up, you can hear sound carrying across the water with such clarity. Um, And I guess that's perhaps why Jesus um, did uh, many of his sermons there. So um, we'll start from Matthew 13, verse 1 to 9. And that says, On that day, Jesus went out of the house, and he was sitting by the sea, and large crowds, they flocked to him. And so he got into a boat, and he sat down. And then... All the crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables. And he was saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some of the seed fell beside the road, and the birds came, and they ate it up. And other seed fell on the rocks.
1: And because they did not have much
0: soil, Immediately they sprang up, and because they had no depth of soil, when the sun came up,
1: they were scorched and then they withered and they died. And then others fell amongst the thorns, and when the thorns came up, they choked the seed, and
0: then others fell on the good soil. And there they produced a harvest, said Jesus, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty.
1: And he finishes by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Can we go back to the first one, Pete? Thank you.
0: So when Jesus spoke many of his sermons, many of his parables, he spoke of trees and he spoke of seeds and he spoke of ears of corn and grains and things because this was an agricultural society. They had no technology as we have today. Uh, Yes, they had tent makers and they had people that would carve and people that would build like the temple and very, very skilled stonemasons, but they had no great technology And these people, they lived by agriculture. So they worked on the land, either their own field or for somebody else. um, And certainly they would have actually had to pick their vegetables and all the food that they needed uh, in order to survive. And so when Jesus spoke, um, certainly this parable about the sower, they would have known exactly what he was referring to. Now, later on, and we'll do that, this is from verse 18 um, through um, in, in, in a bit. Um, the disciples actually said to Jesus, why are you talking to people in parables? And uh, Jesus went on uh, then just to explain and unpack a little bit more the parable of the sower that he had said uh, and and told. Now, in the days uh, of Jesus, the fields, they would have had boundary markers that would have been the rocks. They wouldn't have been fenced off. And so if you owned a piece of land or a strip of land, you'd have all the rocks at the side as boundary markers. And as you walked up and down your fields over the years, planting and tilling and doing whatever it was that you had to do, gradually the worth would be impacted, and that would become known as the road or, or, or the path. And rocks, of course, would appear in the soil uh, almost magically. Uh, and I guess it's no different today. And of course, what happens is as the rains come, it washes the soil. And so the rocks that are under the surface actually start to come up, and then they'd move these rocks Uh, And they are part of them at the side of the road, as we saw uh, in the slide there um, about the the rocky area. So Jesus speaks of four kinds of soil, doesn't he? He actually speaks of um, the side of the road, and then he speaks about the rocky places, and then he speaks about the thorns. And then last of all, he speaks about the good soil. Now, what he's actually referring to is the heart and I sometimes think perhaps this should be called the parable of the dirt or the parable of the soil rather than the parable of the sower because the sower plays very little part in it other than the fact that he's mentioned that in fact he sows the seed and of course uh, for the avoidance of any doubt the seed is the word of God and so Jesus is speaking about the hearts of his people there and they would have known exactly what he was saying What kind of people have shallow soil? And this is the bit that Jesus starts to unpack uh, to his disciples. From verse 18 onwards, Jesus actually then says to the disciples, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom but doesn't understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And then he goes
1: on to say,
0: I want to get this 100% accurate, so I'll read it out from here. This is the one on whom the seed was sown at the side of the road. And the one he speaks about where the seed was sown on the rocky places. And I had some friends like this that um, I'll just speak about in a moment. But when he hears the word, he receives it with joy. But because he has no root and because he's only temporary, when uh, affliction Um, or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown amongst the thorns, he is the one who hears the word, but the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of money chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And then the one on whom the uh, the seed was sown on the good soil, He is the one who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. When I first became a Christian, um, it changed my life so much, uh, and I was so excited and just so full of this joy, of this new thing that I found, this God, that people that I was working with saw it. And at least three people made professions, that they had actually accepted Christ and become Christians. Um, but as time went on, one of them now is so far from God, uh, and the other two, I haven't been in contact for a few years, but the last I heard, uh, you know, it was, it was a big puff and it all blew up and it was all wonderful and exciting, and now it's gone. And it's very much the seed that's sown on the rocky soil because if there's no root, if there's no foundation, all the, the, all the sparks and all the, the, you know, the fluff and everything can just fade away if it's not real And if it's not grounded, people that are so entrenched um, in the things of the world um, find it very hard uh, to maintain that faith. Jesus, when talking to those people, was talking about the hardness of their hearts. And in that time, in that period when Jesus um, was there, when Um, the harvest season was coming up. Um, The farmers would have to prepare their fields, very much as they do now, I I guess. Uh, Once they'd had a harvest, um, they'd they'd, they'd crop it and what have you, and then they would leave the field for some months. Um, They'd rested. I think um, under the EU laws for some time, I think we rested fields for many years, and they paid people for growing nothing, which always found a bit strange, but they would actually rest it so the soil could recover. And then once the um, field had been rested for some months, they then went and they had to clear it. And of course, the weeds would have grown up, so they had to clear uh, the weeds and and the thorns away. Uh, And then the rains would come in October and November, and the rains would come and they would soak the soil uh, and they would uh, make it good then uh, for planting. And Jesus's audience would have been aware of all the scriptures that actually spoke of hard soil, of hard hearts, Of the rains that God was going to pour out on his people. They were very well versed in those days. Um, Jewish people, the Torah, which is the first five books of of our um, scripture, which is Genesis and um, Exodus, uh, Leviticus um, and uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers, Numbers first, then Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy was or is that great um, book that the Jews revere, perhaps more. Than any other and from um, deuteronomy 6 verse 4 this is what's called the shema shema is called and the jewish people would recite this and they still do as a prayer and they do it twice a day and so much do they revere god that they actually put their right hand over their eyes when they're actually reciting this prayer, so as not to have any distractions, to concentrate solely on God, um, and just to be immersed, I guess, in his holiness and his righteousness and everything that God is. And in Hebrew, it goes from right to left, unlike our uh, writing and so they would put their right hand over their eyes and they would recite, not just this, but the first um, six, that is like the ones that we all know. Here O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But they would say, Shema, Israel Adonai. el Adonai Echad. And they would just say that over and over. And there's a very interesting story during the Holocaust when Jewish children were hidden and they were hidden in a Jewish um, orphanage. And then once the the war was over and the allies moved in and they wanted to separate, it was very difficult to tell what were the Jewish children and what were uh, the Christian children in this Christian orphanage. And so the rabbi just stood at the front and he just repeated um, in Jewish, of course, here, O Israel. And all the children as one just stood up and said, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Because it had been imprinted on their hearts. And Deuteronomy goes on to say, after this famous Shema, as it is called, where Moses is actually speaking to the uh, people that are about to go uh, into the um, in, 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 into the, the land that he had um, he'd given to them, the Promised Land, and he reminds them to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind. He reminds them that God is one. There is not a multiplicity of gods there is only one god and this is the god that you must worship and there is no other he reminds them that to talk about god as they walk along the road as they rise as they go to bed talk about it to your children and this is one of the reasons that in the orphanage the children knew that because the the parents were speaking to their children um, about this wonderful wonderful passage um, about god and why am i coming away from the parable of the sower and talking um, about this particular um, passage and and book of scripture well to jump perhaps to hosea just for a second uh, the book of hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says There's sow with a view to righteousness reap in accordance with loving kindness break up your fallow ground indeed it is time to seek yahweh until he comes and rains righteousness on you. And they would have understood that. They would have known that Jesus was saying to them, your hearts are hard. You need to actually look at the rocks in your life, and then you need to remove those rocks. Ask me, and I will tell you what the rocks in your life are so that you can be right with me. Because at that time, in the Old Testament times, the people had moved so far from God, they thought they were doing the right thing. But they weren't really interested anymore in the law of God and what God um, was actually saying to them. Jeremiah actually says, break up your fallow ground. Do not sow among the thorns. All of these passages to do with agriculture and soil and thorny places. In Jeremiah, he was God's prophet to the southern kingdom. He had been telling the people for years. God is saying, return to me. And we're speaking about that just a bit this morning. Return to me. And if you don't, then you'll not be my people and you'll go into captivity. But they didn't listen. And it was almost as if Jesus was saying to his audience, God may as well have spoken to the rocks and the thorns and spoke to the road because you took no notice. And indeed, they went into captivity. And I wonder what they thought as they went into exile, having been warned so often and taken uh, no notice of that. And so when Jesus spoke of the four soils and the four hearts, they would have understood just exactly what he was saying. And I guess some of them would have been quite angry because even today, people don't like to be told they're wrong. People don't like to be told that God is in charge. God is majestic. You know, God is all in all. And it's God's world and it's God's law, not ours. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, says, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life so our hearts are just so important and we can't afford to have them go hard we can't afford the thorns and the rocky road and all of that stuff in our hearts they need to be soft and ready for the rain of God that will just fall on them and just bring us that closer to God and into understanding of what it is that he wants to do through us Now, one of the problems, and there's two uh, issues here that I really concentrate on. One was the soil, and I've explained that, of course, um, Jesus was really talking about hearts and not so much the soil, using that as an analogy. But the other thing, of course, is the word here. And this is why I've gone back into the Old Testament, spoken about the Shema, um, because in biblical Hebrew, there were only about 8,000 words. Now, if you compare that with English, where there's over 100,000 words. So Hebrew words had a multiplicity of meaning, and it's a bit like an overstuffed suitcase, and then you open it, and there's just so many different meanings just spring out of it. And when Jesus' hearers had heard the word hear, let him who has ears let him hear, they would have understood that hear means to listen, to obey, to do, as well as to hear. And they knew that to hear God was to obey God and to obey God was to hear God. And so when Jesus was speaking about that, they understood very well that Jesus was saying, I've told you what it is that you need to do and you need to obey and you need to hear, you need to pay attention and you need to do it. Jesus was saying, you've heard my teaching, take it to heart and obey it. You see the call of god in the old testament in Jesus' time even today it's not just like a call to endless good times and prosperity that we hear about so much from people it's a call to actually see god as he is and of course we're just talking we see in revelation about the angels that actually say holy 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 three times and that is what our god is that he is a holy god And the message hasn't changed down through the centuries.
1: The Shema that the Jewish
0: people still recite today, for me, I think that just sums up so much um, the reverence towards God. And I know Pete was, was praying about so much now. We don't hear a full gospel. We have this... Expurgated version and i can remember when i was young i used to buy books through a book club and they'd send you this slimmed down version that was a lot cheaper and someone had got the main version and taken lots of bits out and you could still read it and you could still understand it and it was still a good story. i think they called it the reader's digest condensed version or something but a lot of it had gone and we're in danger sometimes of doing that with the bible that we're taking the heart of it out and we're preaching and we're speaking we're telling people this politically correct, sanitized version that people want to hear. And we really need, I think, to get back to the full gospel. And I think that Jesus, when he was preaching, was telling people to return to him in all of his majesty and all of his holiness. (coughs) Excuse me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, world. Hear, every village, every town, every city, every country because this is a message not just for english people not just for people that it's their kind of thing and they want to get into some religion it's a call for the world that god is their god god we, we, we sang um very much about um you know the god who loves us and the god who is calling us to him yes he does exactly what he wants to do and people need to respond to that message to take heed of the message that Jesus says, but it's not just, um, I would suggest, uh, about doing our own thing. It's about getting back to God's word and obeying, as Jesus was saying, listening to what God is saying. Let's be the soil, the good soil. If I can get back to it, Pete. Um, if you don't mind putting the good soil one up, that would be great just as I start to um, to wind down on this. Um, are we waiting? For the early rains in October, that's not far off. It falls and that will soften our hearts. And I would suggest that all of us, without exception, need perhaps to just take a walk through the field that is our lives and look at what are the rocks, what are the impediments in our lives that are keeping us from that closer union with God, that are keeping us from speaking to our neighbors, from speaking to people outside I was speaking to a couple just yesterday when I was out walking my dog and they go to a a church somewhere and we're talking. And and this chapter says to me, oh, I just follow a practical Christianity. I said, oh, what's that? He said, oh, it's about being kind to people uh, and feeding people. That's cut the whole heart out of the gospel. If that's what he's been told in his church, that's not the gospel. That's not the parable of the good seed. That's not the parable where... The man on whom it was sown understood it, and he produced this magnificent bounty of harvest, a hundredfold, or, or even 60 or 30. I mean, I'd love to have a hundredfold. I'm nowhere near that. I think I'd be happy with 30. But sometimes from what people are told and what they hear, they're nowhere near that. And so Jesus says, you have heard my teaching. Now take it to heart and obey it. And I would commend that, I guess, to all of us here, O oh Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And that, my friends, is where I will leave it for now. I just pray um, that that will resound with you, um, that you'll actually look at the soil, look at our hearts, walk through the fields of our lives and at those rocky places. And we all have things, rocks in our lives Let's get rid of them. Let's not have seed planted in the thorns and on the rocks and at the side of the road. Let's, have, let's all be good soil in this church so that we can be a blessing within, but also without to all the folks out there that have never heard and never seen. Bless sure. you